At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. In anticipation of Super Bowl 58 and the NFL playoffs, BetMGM has a brand new offer for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5. You will receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. So how do you get this offer? Well, first, you're going to download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Once you have placed a bet, you will receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions must be 21 plus to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get $158 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Do it on BetMGM. New week on the Just Baseball Show. Walker Bueller going to join us in a matter of moments from sunny L.A. What's the temp in New York right now? Um, I think it's 30-ish degrees, 37 degrees currently in uh, New York City. And my guess it's in the low to mid-60s in California right now. Yeah, okay. It's negative two in Indianapolis right now. Uh, it was hitting my face and it hurt when I went out to go like get lunch and and get something to cook for dinner because I'm like, I'm not leaving my house again after I do this. But uh, we are going to talk to Walker from L.A. about uh, getting ready to be a dad in season, also working out at Dodger Stadium for the last good bit. We're also going to wrap the show by playing GM for the Baltimore Orioles. It can be quick. It can be frustrating. I have no idea what's going to happen, um, but... There's a crazy good offer from our naming sponsor that you need to hear about. And Peter's going to tell you about it right now. Bet five. 
get $158 instantly in bonus bets. What I want you to do, go to BetMGM, download it, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and when you put down a $5 wager on standard odds, minus 110, after the bet is settled, you will get $158 for Super Bowl 58. And if you're asking yourself, wait, what's the catch? $5 and you instantly get $158? There is no catch. They're doing it for the Super Bowl. That's why the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android. Use code JustBaseball. And don't leave free money on the table. Do you know what happened since we last talked? What do you mean? Your Yankees added a starting pitcher. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk about that? Like, how riled up are you? So at first I was confused, right? And I made a video about it, you know, going back. And I've talked about this on the Just Baseball show before, so we don't have to get exactly into the quotes. But there was a rift between Marcus Stroman and Brian Cashman. And this was dating back a couple of years. What I didn't know is that Brian Cashman actually apologized to Marcus Stroman. So I guess the beef between them got a little bit overblown. But when I saw the contract and actually looked into the picture that Marcus Stroman is, he's still only 33 years old. To me, it felt like he was 35. He got a two-year, $37 million deal. He sports a 53% ground ball rate, which is perfect in Yankee Stadium. He's also a big game pitcher. He should perform well with the Yankees, considering he's relatively used to the media in Queens. And then when I look at the other starting pitchers on the market, like a Lucas Giolito, who got $38 million, or Jordan Hicks getting $44 million from the San Francisco Giants to be a starter, overall, I'm really excited about the deal. Do I think it's Marcus Stroman the one? No. The two? Probably not. But can he be a solid three, a fantastic four? Absolutely. And when I look at the Yankees right now, they're really having a great offseason. They got Juan Soto and Marcus Stroman. And Trent Grisham. They got one of the better fourth outfielders in baseball. And exactly. Alex Verdugo. Don't forget about and Verdugo. Alex Verdugo. <laughs> uh, I'm forgetting about all of them. But right now, I'm, I'm focused right now on Marcus Stroman. I you thought it was be. a good signing. You should be. I, I like it because Stroman effectively hedges the volatility of Carlos Rodon. And, you know, you could say, oh, well, like, how reliable is Stroman? The answer recently is very. He threw 102 innings in 2018. He had a five and a half ERA. That's when he was 27 years old in Toronto. But he was traded midway through the season from Toronto to New York in 2019. Since 2019, these are his innings pitched and his ERA. 184 innings in 2019, he had a 3-2. In 2021, 179 innings, he had a 3-0-2. 2022, 138 innings, he had a 3-5. And then this past year, 135 innings, he had a 3-9-5. He hasn't been over four since 2018, and he's always going to give you innings. Obviously, he had that what, stress fracture in his rib cage uh, this past year, but man, like, after TJ, there hasn't been really anything arm-related to worry about. Um, I, I think you make a great point. And yeah, he only threw 11 games with the Mets. But this is a guy that, A, is from Long Island. If you haven't read the recount of Marcus Stroman and Steven Matz facing each other in a high school game on Long Island, it's hilarious. Because it was like one nothing, and they each punched out 17 in a high school game. It was nuts. And like a scout from pretty much every team was there. But... He's a New York guy, and he's so clearly, based on the social media presence 
and just the aura that that he brings feeds off energy, whether it's positive or negative. I don't have the splits in front of me, but I bet you he's a pretty solid road starter because he can feed off hate pretty well. He can play the villain pretty well. And at home, if he's going right, I think Yankee fans are really going to latch on. Yeah, he he was a Yankee fan growing up too. He said he's a Long Island kid. He posted those on his social media pages, you know, pictures with, I think it's his dad. And then he just seems really excited. And there's already stuff going around, you know, Yankee Twitter and stuff that, um, and it's a lot from other fan bases as well. Is he going to just screw up the locker room when he walks in the door? No, no, we I don't can't think play so. that game. We can't play that game and just assuming because it's a different team. It's a different circumstance. I think at this point in his career, as evident by the contract, right? He's not a super high paid guy. He got less than I think some other starters who I would argue are worse than him. He got less than maybe he was expecting. He opted out of one year at what, 23 to go get two for 36, 37. And here's my thoughts on this. I think he took less to be with the Yankees because the contract really didn't make sense. Truthfully, right? Two years, 37 million for Marcus Stroman. I know there's vesting options in there and all this mumbo jumbo, but that's basically what the contract is. Lucas Giolito got more than him. Jordan Hicks got four years, $44 million. He got less. I think he took less to go to the Yankees. And I could be wrong, and maybe that was just the market for him, but it did seem suspiciously low. In what world is Lucas Giolito making more money over two over a two-year deal than Marcus Stroman? It really doesn't make any sense to me. So that's why no I sense. think that. I could be wrong, but no explain sense. it to me then. Uh, I can't. Uh, also, same guy. At home and on the road, three six four at home in his career, three six seven on the road in his career. So he can feed off energy, both positive and negative. He just needs energy, like yeah. empty ballpark. That shit ain't gonna fly. And at Yankee Stadium, like there's always some sort of energy, unless he throws on a Wednesday afternoon, and maybe just make sure he doesn't throw on Wednesday afternoons. And it'd be good to give the Yankees a little bit of an edge. He's got an edge. He does he some of those personalities in the Yankees locker room. Uh, up guys and when Rodon is going right Rodon has an edge too and, and I am very excited to watch the tandem of Rodon and Stroman this year not because I think that they're going to be all-star caliber but because Rodon can't be any worse and any more unavailable than he was last year and like Stroman these two I I feel like they can push each other closer and closer to being that co-2 behind Garrett Cole and don't forget, you got Nestor. You have Nestor, too. And, you know, I was texting my buddies from home after we got Marcus Stroman, and I was saying, I really like this rotation, right? I think Nestor will bounce back. Whatever that means, I think he's going to put up, like, a low four ZRA in 130-ish innings. I would say that's relatively bouncing back. And then I told them, Carlos Rodon is going to bounce back. And they said, well, he, he could easily get worse. And I was like, can no, he, he actually can't. get worse no, than his six, eight ERA in like four starts? I was like, if he's just not the worst pitcher on planet Earth, the Yankees rotation is better. And then you have Clark Schmidt, who at this point is just a solid pitcher. And then you have Garrett Cole and Stroman. That's a very good rotation. I would put them in the top 10. I think so. Not like I got- top five. I'm saying in the eight to 11 I just, range. I got to see what Rodon looks like, man. <laughs> I mean, Rodon at a 6.85 and 14 starts last year. I want to pull up the uh, yeah, opponents at an 8.38 OPS against him after a 5.71 OPS against him in 20 in 22. It, it, it wasn't his best season. 
No, certainly not. Hell, I could argue it was his worst. All right. You could argue that. One more uh, signing that we got to talk about before we hand it over to our conversation with Walker Bueller. Jordan Hicks to the Giants, four years and $44 million. Okay, they signed a setup guy. No, they signed a starting pitcher at $11 million a year. The Giants paid Hicks what the Cardinals paid Steven Matz to do a couple years ago. And Matz was not a reliever throwing 102 miles an hour. Matz was a starter with injury concerns that they paid 44 across four years. Now Jordan Hicks gets 11 mil a year over the next four years to do something that he's done five times in his major league career. I'll pull it up right now. I actually saw him make a start on a rehab assignment in AAA He went two innings, and it was like, eh, okay. He's started eight games in his major league career. All eight of those starts came in 2022. He threw 61 and a third innings in 2022. So he was not being stretched out. If Jordan Hicks makes 25 starts next year, how many innings does Jordan Hicks throw? I don't know. And I I thought... It was a little bit confusing at first, but then I thought to myself, all right, 27 years old. He's got this sinker from hell running in at you at 102. He's got the breaking ball, so he's got two legit pitches. And if he's working on this four seam, which I was reading about, that's three pitches, and they're all nasty. For him, it's just, can you keep the ball in the zone, right? Because his stuff is just so unbelievable, that if he's throwing balls, yeah, I mean, just don't swing at it. But if he's throwing strikes, he can get through, you know, four or five innings. And when I look at the contract, it was more than I thought, but he can still be a dominant reliever if the starter thing doesn't work out. So that's why I thought it was a little bit of an overpay because I felt it was a starter s contract when I don't know if it's going to last. But at the end of the day, the Giants got, a nasty pitcher for 11 million per from his age 27 to age 31 season. That's fine. They got a nasty pitcher in one inning spurts. Who's emptying the tank across one inning. That's what we know in his eight starts in 2022, he averaged three and a thirds innings per start. And he had a five and a half ERA in those eight starts. He was not a good major league starter when he started those eight games. Granted, he was almost a long man of sorts. I don't think he signs with the Giants unless they make this, you know, assurance to him that he's going to be a starting pitcher for multiple years. Like, hey, I want to be a starting pitcher. They're going to sign him as a starting pitcher. I don't think you can give up on the whole starter thing if it's not working by the All-Star break this year. I think you have to give it a minimum year and a half, unfortunately. Having said that, I think he can figure it out when you do have 102. If 102 turns into 98 and you figure out just a sinker slider at 98 and 90 that can get you through four innings, that's worth $11 million a year. Exactly. Like, you know, it's it's a longer contract, but the AAV is really not too bad. And I think I'm more optimistic about him becoming a starter than maybe I think you are. Right? He hasn't proven it yet, but, you know, another guy who really – hadn't proven it, got paid as a starter, and ended up pitching really well with Seth Lugo, right? Because Seth Lugo only had two pitches, not nearly as nasty as Jordan Hicks. That's my thing. Like, Lugo was spinning a crazy curveball and throwing 92, right? Like, Hicks is a different beast. Hicks has closer stuff. 
And I just wonder, not almost never. And if I'm missing someone, comment in the YouTube comments who I'm missing. Closer to starter. Starter to closer is a real thing. I guess Smoltz went closer to starter. Is that right? Or was it the other way around? Starter to closer. I think he went starter to closer. So like Araldis Chapman was a starting pitching prospect when he came up. And I think Chapman and Hicks are the closest thing you can find. Chapman was a starter when he came up. He's been a closer his entire life. Wade Davis went from starter to closer. The starter to reliever pipeline is real. The reliever to starter pipeline is Seth Lugo, who throws very differently than Jordan Hicks. But I will say, if San Francisco leans into this weird quasi-starter thing, they're doing something right. Who did we really like last year in San Francisco? You and I both. I loved him. I think you loved him too. Ryan Walker. Mm-hmm. Swing man with a sub three pretty much the entire year. It was just fucking weird. And he was like three innings out of the bullpen this day when they're piecing it together. Or maybe a four inning start this day on Sunday Night Baseball. If that's what Hicks is, I love it. Because you've got Hicks who's weird. Walker who's weird. Ray kind of embodies weird. <laughs> There's enough going on. What do you get from Kyle Harrison? What do you get from Wizenhunt very soon? I think they can put the jigsaw puzzle together really well. Yeah, I mean, if you get seven innings total from Kyle Harrison and Jordan Hicks in a day, it's going to be nasty and it's going to be a bunch of different looks. And I, I, I'm i optimistic that he can deliver on those four inning starts. Yeah. The guy is straight up nasty. It's all about the command. So if he's refining that this offseason and he is able to not run the pitch count up, and yeah, it might be not 102, it's still 99, it's still 99 breaking into a righty. Like whatever that is, that is basically impossible to hit. That's why he posted a 3-2-9 ERA last year. And then when he went to the Blue Jays, it was a 2-6. He was even better. So overall, I am excited to see the experiment. And the reason I don't think that it's a bad deal is even if it doesn't work, you have a very good bullpen arm at $11 million per. Can I remind you that Rafael Montero, three years, 14 45. And a half. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I think it's a great gamble. But I do want to clarify, when I first saw it come, I was like, a starter? <laughs> He's not a starter. I've only seen him be good in the bullpen. But I'm intrigued. He's got the stuff. If he just goes sinker, slider, it's like a, it's qualified as a sweeper. It's just a disgusting breaking yeah. ball. And a four-seamer, you got going all different angles, different speeds. This can work. I'm excited to see it. I don't know if it can work for seven. I don't know if he'll ever get the opportunity to throw seven innings, but I think it can work in a Ryan Walker type mold. And Why I think not? they saw that and said, Let, let's do it. Why, Why not, not seven? Why not uh, seven? Because it's really only Strider that can get Have through. an open mind. Okay, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> open mind. My bad. Also, John Smoltz was a starter. He got hurt. He missed all the 2000 season. He came back as a closer, and then he was a starter for like five more years to end his mm-hmm. career. So he did. He went starter to closer to starter. Um, all right, we're going to talk to uh, Walker Bueller after that, the Orioles GM episode. But now, let's pick the mind of Walker, man. So Walker Bueller leaves the Midwest like a week and a half ago, and then now it decides to turn into the frozen tundra. Did you do this? Like, is this something you planned? Did you leave your faucet dripping in Lexington? What's the word? Yeah, we, uh, well, we brought the cold with us here. It's been cold in LA as well. What's Uh, cold in LA? I mean, it's like in the thirties in the morning. 
Really? Okay. A little while. I was just in Santa um, Barbara. I was back home and the coldest it got was 58 and it just felt so much better. Now I'm sitting here in New York and it's like 31 degrees during the yeah, day. You guys are about to you guys are about to get snowed in and all that, huh? Yeah, not ideal. I've got I've got like snow or I guess condensation that's freezing and turning like into a white powder substance mm. on the inside of my window. So maybe that's an apartment building problem. We'll see. Um, I'm excited to talk to you about L.A. living and uh, the Dodgers and all that jazz. You've been working out at the ballpark, and that's kind of what I want to start with. Um, I know there was a video that you posted on your Instagram story that that we saw you throwing. I know Lux has been there too. I mean, Otani's been around the ballpark. Who have you seen in terms of 2024 teammates that's working out at Dodger Stadium recently? Yeah, those guys, Otani, uh, Lux, he's there. CT has been in and out. I think he went to Hawaii with his wife and new kid. Um, Glass now stopped in for a couple days. I think he's coming back at the end of the month, maybe, or something like that. So, um, uh, yeah, there's been a few guys kind of in and around some, some minor league guys and, um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good environment. It's obviously, you know, the environment that we're kind of used to, but obviously something I haven't been in every day in a couple of years. So, um, yeah, we got a good, we got a good spot and, and good people around us. When you're practicing right on the field do you just kind of look around sometimes and be like holy shit look at all these fucking good ass players um yeah i mean it, the weirdest thing being in that stadium is they're not being forty thousand people there yeah, you know, right. when it's empty but um yeah i mean I, I think it'll probably set in kind of the additions and and stuff um in spring training typically is when you start really like feeling that i guess but um you know, also some some subtractions too. That's that's part of this. You know, we've added all these guys, but but we've lost some guys or or don't have guys back yet. So we'll see what kind of shakes out with all of that, and and then the guys that are rehabbing and um, yeah, spring training is a an exciting time. You just it's a different it's a different thing. You walk in, you know, we're used to kind of walking in there being twenty five guys, and spring when you got 60, 60 guys in there on the first day, it's pretty cool. I, I saw the video that you posted, and obviously that was like field level. That was intentional. Someone was filming you throw. And yep. then I saw the weird like drone footage and like <laughs> you got people like it, it looked like it was near or on the roof shooting in. Is it like a top secret thing? Is there media availability and you guys just happen to be practicing? Like, how are we getting these weird TMZ type shots of the Dodgers no, practicing? I I don't really know who's up there and who's putting them out. I haven't really watched the the shortstop ones yet, but no, I mean, they run tours all day there and, you know, we'll run, we'll see these tour groups and stuff. We've been, we've been packed up with people, you know, walking through the stadium and stuff. So I assume it kind of comes from there, but yeah, I mean, we're not doing anything top secret. We're kind of throwing and running and, and, you know, normal shit. It's not nothing crazy. Right. It was it was bordering along the lines of thirst trapping Dodgers fans because it, the, <laughs> the views were looking that good. But the big one, and at least that what we're looking at here is the ball's coming out of your hand pretty nice. How's the arm feel? It is. Uh, no, I feel good, man. I, I think we're we're getting close to kind of starting that full full ramp up deal. And, and that's always kind of the hardest part. But, um, you know, I've had a good offseason and, and kept some good weight on and, and feel strong. So uh yeah here in a couple of weeks we'll probably get on the mound and and kind of move forward from there so uh things are looking good so far 
That, that was a whole deal at the end of the season, right? The good way, bad way conversation in, in the brick shithouse <laughs> comment. I remember that vividly. But, um, you know, how have you kind of maintained what you picked up during like last year? Because I, I know the beginning of the rehab process was similar to the first time. But I, I mean, we've talked about it actually a decent bit, like hot tub, cold tub, things like that. Um, you're in a new spot in LA. I know you had it in Lexington. Like you legit yeah. had a cold tub in your home. Do you have one in, in the place you're in in LA? Or is it like, hey, when I go to Dodger Stadium, I'm I'm clocking in, I'm getting my work in, and I'm doing all that there, and then I'm going to go home? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, every place is kind of different in terms of the setup. But, um, you know, I have a blue cube here. We haven't fired it up yet. I, I think just having it at the stadium and going to the stadium in the morning is kind of when I do that stuff. So, I don't really need it quite yet, but as we get in the season, that'll probably be something that I start using more and more here. But um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, you know, day-to-day operation is what we do at, at Dodger Stadium. So everything, everything we need is is there. And um, yeah, it, it works well for us. Talking about your routine off the field, on the field, right? You're getting, you're getting hyped up again. What does that look like over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, hopefully as close to, to normal as anyone is going through right now in terms of building up and, and getting ready to be on the mound. And, um, you know, we're not 100% on the schedule in terms of when I'm going to be, like, back in the rotation quite yet. But, you know, just got to keep putting myself in a, in a decent position to to be as healthy as I can be and, um, you know, be ready to throw whenever we decide on that, just based on the innings and, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, we got some exciting stuff, the Korea trip and and then coming back for freeway and then getting going. So, um, yeah, some stuff up in the air. We'll see what happens. I, I know before that you guys are at Camelback for five weeks, I want to say, with with games. And I think that's going to be the first time that people can pop on Sportsnet LA or pop on MLB TV and I've kind of been the sucker for that since I was a you know freshman in high school. When I first got MLB TV, I was like, I need baseball back so badly. And I know people are going to be clamoring to see Walker Bueller back on the mound in a Dodger uniform at Camelback, whether it be a two-inning spurt or a four-inning spurt at the end of spring. We're like, Marcus Stroman in a Yankee uniform. It's your first chance to look at them unofficially. It's like NFL preseason. Um, do you guys have like a spring training plan? I assume you're going to be throwing – somewhat consistently in the spring yeah uh yeah i think i'll uh, hopefully i'll get into some cactus league games i think that's kind of important i just don't know you know all these things are scheduled right and and then in here and two the next and two again and whatever so um you know we have like a kind of a date in mind that we want to get me back um playing for for our team so we're kind of trying to still reverse engineer it all the way back to when i need to start given where I'm at right now. So, you know, everything seems to be lining up kind of how we want it. And, and that's the beauty of, of finally being healthy and um, getting out here a little early so that we can all kind of talk and, and figure it out together, I guess. Gotcha. And the Dodgers have been chock full of storylines, you know, all winter long, but quite possibly the biggest one is that the Dodgers acquired Jackson Ferris. So have yes. you scheduled a meetup yet? Jackson Ferris, Walker Bueller, you have to get at least one picture together. And Matthew Broderick, crazy. And Matthew Broderick. That's no, that it's interesting. It's not too uh, not too often you've got that kind of combo. But yeah, I don't know much about him yet. I haven't seen him yet, obviously. But 
you know, I've heard it's a, a talented little left-handed arm. So, um, you know, you never know. I guess I know he's 19, but but guys get up there quick these days. So we'll see what happens. Not little around LA. Yeah. He's got that slender man type build, dude. Like his arms never end and it's 97 from the left side. So yeah, I would like the photo at some point. I feel like it's pretty easy to convince Matthew Broderick to show up to Dodger stadium. So maybe like a Monday night or something. Cause Ferris will be in Rancho. I assume you Ferris and Matthew Broderick for, for a photo op. Can you do that for us? Yeah. I imagine I'll probably throw it at Rancho at some point. So we might have to make that happen. They got to pull up Ferris just for the gag. Like at least just give him like a ten day, at least for just like a a weekend. Day. The NBA yeah. contract, yeah, the NBA yeah. contract, exhibit ten. That's the other NBA contract. Yeah, give give a partial guarantee. Um, hey, you're gearing up to be a dad in a couple weeks, and yeah. uh, we were talking about names before we hit the record button. But I'm just curious about daddy duty in major league baseball. And I know that some of your closest friends during your Dodger time have been on daddy duty during the season. They've probably been on newborn daddy duty during the season. What kind of advice has Clayton Kershaw given you? Is it good advice, terrible advice and uh, any other dads that have Uh, uh, offered their wisdom? Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think it's a big, let the wife handle a lot of it and they probably know better than we do, but you know, I think some of them, it comes supernatural too. And, and, you know, I think we're just going to have to kind of figure it out as we go, but um, luckily she's, she should come near the end of the month. So we'll have a little time to, to figure it out before we get in the season and uh, kind of survive in advance, I guess. So you have a lot of good dads on the team. Is there anyone on the Dodgers that you don't want watching over your newborn? <laughs> Um, I, I got no comment on that. I think yeah. we're, we're kind of late to the party, so there's not many, not many guys that haven't gone through it themselves, but, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. You sure? You've got time to think about it. If you, you can talk shit. No one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hey, I, I did want to get into kind of the free agent conversation because you mentioned that there are guys that are not back yet. Um, and there are guys that, you know, we, we're expecting to sign nine-figure deals in the starting pitching market and in the relief market that I, we're hearing like nothing on. And I, one of them is your guy, Bellinger. Like, Belly, we're sitting here and it's like, when is this domino going to fall? Like, we thought Otani was going to be the Kickstarter. And then you go to the starting pitching market and it's Montgomery. It's Snell. Stroman took a long time, too. Jordan Hicks was apparently part of the starting pitching market. Um, but, like... Why do you think some of these guys are, are taking this long? I remember Arietta, it took until like mid spring for him to sign that multi year deal with Philly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting, obviously, with kind of where contracts are going, you're seeing a little bit more division in terms of, uh, you know, these huge, long, big boy deals and then these shorter, you know, I wouldn't say super high AV, IAV, but or AAV, but you're getting kind of two kinds of deals. And, and, you know, I don't know, obviously, what offers are being made to what guys and whatnot, but, um, you know, guys just may not be lumped in that same bracket that they, that they think they are. Right. And, you know, I think obviously the, the difference in kind of traditional starting pitching versus what it kind of looks like now, say what it looked like in the nineties or what it looks like now, uh, it's a little more divisive in terms of, some guys are throwing really high quality innings, but at a lower rate of innings. And, and some guys are trying to eat innings. And, 
not quite with the same quality. So you think maybe the the matches in terms of, oh, this team needs a starting pitcher. Well, what kind? And so you start getting more and more divisive looks at guys and um, age and youth and the guys that are coming up are better probably than they ever had before. And so you just got teams kind of weighing things differently. And, um, you know, it's not just, it's not as simple as maybe it used to be 10, 12 years ago where there's four big boy teams that need a starting pitcher and there's one big starting pitcher. There's multiples and and different looks on guys. And so it, the free agency market's hard, man. I, you know, we predict all the time what we think is going to happen and whatnot. But, you know, I think a lot of people are probably waiting to see if any of these guys are going to get traded. Yeah. Um, which hasn't happened. So, you know, sign or trade and, and nothing's happening right now. So I'm sure as the season kind of creeps up, things will, things will start rolling. I was going to say, Peter made a good point last week. It was, we predict all these things. We predict where the big ticket free agents are going to go and we try and get creative and then they all go to fucking your team. They all yeah. go to the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. They just go to the Dodgers and we're like, Ooh, you know, what would be cool if it went to this team. Look how smart we sound. Dodgers just offered him $9 billion. So throw that out the window. <laughs> I mean, no you know, I understand. <laughs> I have a question too, uh, because you know you're going to be a free agent after the year too. Um, I feel like there's this cat and mouse game, right, between these agents and these teams. And if you're a pitcher right now in on January 14th, us, right, we think it's getting late, but the reality is that you still have a couple of months before these guys report. So if you were in the position on January 14th, you probably feel totally fine. You don't feel rushed, right, because we still have so much time. Yeah, I mean, likely you're, you know, whatever team you're with, you're probably you're you're still opening day is still the same time, right? So you're you're kind of backdating where you need to be and when you need to be on the mound to to feel good. And so I think largely, you know, obviously you have a preference on what team you're going to or or you're on, but um, in terms of like logistically throwing wise, everything's the same. So uh, you know, those guys are kind of standing where they are, and the teams are as well. So. You know, at some point, these guys are going to sign. It's not like these guys are going to go unemployed. But, um, yeah, I don't think too much changes, really. Do you have an internal clock? Do you feel like you will have an internal clock where it's, you know, we are X amount of days away from pitchers and catchers reporting? Um, like, when, when do you get nervous if you're not communicating with that catcher? Like, I'm just trying to put myself in Jordan Montgomery's shoes. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. You know, I would love to have a team identity by February 10th if I report on February 22nd. Yeah. Is there a moment of panic, do you think? Um, I don't, I mean, obviously, I've never gone through it, right? But, right. you know, at some point, like our game is pretty simple and, and everyone's so advanced in terms of the data and, and kind of how we're attacking people. And, you know, there is some familiarity that first bullpen that the guy's probably not going to be framing every pitch perfectly just right. because he doesn't know what's going to do. But, you know, these guys are so good and and I think I think that's probably a little overblown in terms of you want to have relationships with guys and but at some point if you're if you've gotten to be a free agent like you've been around and, and you kind of know know of your catchers and and they know somebody and and those relationships can can kind of come quick and and especially when you've got opening day around the corner so uh, for me I don't think it would be as big a concern. 
Yeah, Jack, I think Walker makes a really good point. If Blake Snell can dominate with Gary Sanchez behind the plate, then really anything <laughs> is possible at this point for him. Gary Sanchez, um, a Mets fan. Yep. Yeah. Is there is there maybe a pitcher out on the market that you're just surprised hasn't signed yet that you thought he would be one of the big tickets right after Otani? Not to say he's the best pitcher available or whatever like that, just a pitcher that you're surprised hasn't signed yet. Yeah, I mean, I think Blake is probably the – you know, seen as the number one guy, obviously, you know, if you wanted to talk him versus uh, Yamamoto, that would maybe be a discussion, but he's coming off winning a Cy Young and, but sometimes that's the hardest one to get done, right? There's, there's value in, okay, you're worth at least this, but how far can that go? And and maybe those are the discussions they're having. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think he was probably the logical first first guy or, or biggest signing, I guess you can talk about him and Bellinger on the position, you know, position player versus pitcher thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this kind of week or two week lull that we've been in is is somewhat surprising, but at the end of the day, this stuff kind of happens every year and, and we just kind of forget about it because everyone ends up in, in a place. And so, you know, I think we'll see where he ends up, but um, yeah, I think he's probably the surprising one. Call it a lull all you want, man. Uh, Jordan Hicks has Peter in my brain in a pretzel. Like, trying to figure that out. And I tried to do this on the intro. Tell me if I'm missing somebody clearly. Because obviously the the starter to high leverage relief pipeline is totally alive. And with Hicks, the name that's synonymous with him is Araldis Chapman. And Chapman was starter all the way through Louisville. Then he became one of the best closers of this generation. Uh, Wade Davis went from starter to closer. Zach Duke, not a good starter, went to a really good reliever for a good bit there. Um, the one that jumped to our mind was Smoltz. Smoltz went starter to reliever, back to starter for a couple yep. years. Is there anybody that jumps to your mind that goes reliever to starter in their career that you can remember? You guys don't have one? Well, Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo. Yeah, Lugo. Lugo's the one that I can really remember. Um, yeah, he was going to be my go-to. Besides that, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, here at the end of the day, most of these guys, like in the minor leagues, <laughs> are are starters anyway. So, you know, that jump from starter to reliever and back and whatever, like it probably it's happened a couple times in most of these guys' careers. Like they didn't they weren't relievers on their high school teams, right? So um yeah, I haven't I can't really think of much of it, but you know, most guys that get to the major league level have started at, at some point. So um yeah, I really can't think of any. I'm surprised. I, yeah. I wouldn't I would have thought there would have been another one. Do you think it like it's obviously probably not easy to transition back there. If you do it for, you know, a year or two, it's probably a seamless transition back. It's like, Hey, I was starting through AAA. The opening at the big league level was as a setup guy. I did that really well for a couple of years. Now I'm going back to a starter. I know crochet is going to try and do that in Chicago. Maybe mm -hmm. brash does that at some point in Seattle down the line. Mm -hmm. um, but Hicks has been like a good reliever for six years. Like he was a reliever, mm -hmm. his entire career hits the market, signs a deal as a starter. Yeah. Like, how difficult do you think that that is to flip that switch back on? Yeah, I mean, if you read the lines on the contract and kind of just knowing Farhan a little bit from his time in L.A., like, I think they're giving him every chance to be a starter, but the level of reliever that he has been 
in St. Louis is that like, is that kind of 10, 12, $15 million AV as a reliever, right? So I think the assumption is that we're going to sign you at your floor value, right? Like, okay, if that level reliever, Jordan Hicks gets four for 44 and you're like, oh, it's a, as a reliever, they're like, okay, that's fine. But I think for him personally, it's like, but we're going to let you try and start. And there's some value in that for him maybe. And, and obviously for the team, if it works out, then there's value in that. So maybe that was a discussion to get the third or fourth year or whatever from one side. But um, I don't think it's as surprising as you would kind of think of it, looking at looking at it through the lens of like the dollar figure and, and the way the contract is set up. If you were to give him any advice, what would it be? No, I mean, he's been through the arm stuff and, and obviously we know kind of the talent in terms of, you know, throws balls 105 or whatever yeah, it was, like but 102 mile. Hour um, yeah. I mean, I think the big thing is like that ball moves a lot. And so, yeah, sign with the giants. I don't really love the giants. So I don't need to give him a whole lot of advice, but like <laughs> there's some, there's obviously some talent there that isn't necessarily all about velocity. And and so I think that's something that he'll, he'll maybe have to temper, maybe not. Obviously guys are now throwing a million all the time, but um, yeah, I think, you know, they're going to give him every chance and, and they obviously do a lot of mix and matching over there anyway with Stripling and Alex Wood, both guys that I played with and kind of have seen in those hybrid roles. Like if that's what he ends up doing, then, then that's what he ends up doing. I think they're, they're very comfortable um, over there with that kind of mix and match two or three guys to get through two or three games. So um, yeah, it, I think it makes a lot of sense. From a pitching nerd lens, can you explain to me why 102 with like that much sinking movement doesn't get as much whiff as other like crazy fastballs? So Hicks is 102, 103 with yeah. sink. Gratterall, your teammate, Throws 102, yeah. it moves like crazy, and yet it's like 7Ks per nine. I know yeah. a ton of fans have questions about it. Can you just explain the physics behind like not punching out the world with that? Yeah, um, I would typically – I think there's kind of two ways to look at it. <clears throat> so if a ball is sinking, right, and it's doing this move, either right to left, left to right, down, however you want to talk about it, there, the idea is that your eyes can see multiple sides of the ball. So if it's moving down and to the right, you can see the inside and the top. As opposed to a four-seam fastball, you're likely only going to see the top or the inside of it just because there's no movement. Uh, there's some flaws in that theory, but I've been told that previously. I think also guys are throwing so hard and the ball's moving late. And then if you really think if that ball's moving this far, over the past the last five feet like that's enough to hit your bat at any point right like the barrel is going to be where the barrel is if the ball's moving this much it almost feels like there's more area that you can touch the ball right right um which is why the ground yeah, ball I mean, rate would be so high yeah right or you'd think that if you you know even if you're telling yourself to swing under all these pitches right and you do, like, if you swing under a four-seamer, you're just going to miss. If this thing's sinking and you're trying to swing under it, you might clip it or foul it off or whatever. So I think there's just a little more margin for error. Uh, 
you know, the other way to think of it is like a cutter, right? The cutter is largely not a pitch that is designed for swing and miss. It's to get off the barrel. And, and so in much in the same way, like you're going to get these weaker contact, but a lot more, con high, a lot higher contact rate. So I, I think of the sinker kind of similarly in that they kind of profile the same way. And that's why I think Blake Trinan is the greatest reliever of all time, because he has yeah. that same kind of bowling ball fastball, yet he's striking out 11 per nine. Like he is yeah. just different. You got to be excited to have him back in the pen. Yeah. I mean, his, his slider is definitely one of the better ones out there, but it's Maybe. a big man throws hard and, and his stuff moves, you know, differently. It just moves a little bit more angry than, than some other guys. And um, I like that. Yeah, he's been really successful. He's been really successful for a long time throwing that the sinker and, and we got him to throw some four seamers that kind of get some people off of stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, when he's healthy, he's, he's really, really impressive and, and fun to watch. So we're, we're excited to have him back and, and hopefully he's feeling good. When you think of pitch, when you think a pitch moving angry, aside from trying and sinker, what other pitch jumps to mind? Uh, the brash sliders like that. You know, there's a lot of pitches like that, but you, you know, we, we look at all like this sweeper stuff. Not many of these sweepers move kind of angry, right? I think the old school sliders are kind of more what you would be thinking of or these running heaters. Um, the guy, the left-handed reliever for Philly, what was that guy's name? Alvarado. Alvarado. Like that, like those balls move weird. Diego Castillo used to throw fastballs that acted like that. You want Duran? Uh, you underran yeah. every pitch of his is angry. Yeah, splinter. Yeah, I got a I got a Lexington, Lexington native Chaz Rose slider was like that, where it would just keep going. Uh, but it, you know, there's keeping going, and then there's the ones that look like they stay the same velo all the way through. Um, you know, even you can talk about Kirsch, like that slider that he throws kind of does some things that just not everyone can do, and and you know. When I say move angry, you think of guys that break bats, right? Like that's kind of the the thing. So, you know, some guys have it. My, I wouldn't necessarily say my stuff is super angry stuff. Um, but you you know, you think of some of its spin base. If you gotta really spin it or not spin it much to break a lot of bats, I think. Uh, and I'm probably somewhere in the middle there. So there's different ways to look at it, but you know, I think definitely some good examples in there. The great example, I think, is Tyler Glass now. His slider yeah. and curveball or whatever that thing is yeah. moves in an angry way. And I know you kind of touched on it briefly. You guys are at Dodger Stadium. You've seen him. Have you guys gotten a chance to kind of pick each other's brain, give him the lowdown of L.A., any of that good stuff? No, not a ton. I mean, he's from around here, too, so he kind of knows what's going on. He asked me a couple places to look for for places to live, and, and he kind of already had, you know, the places that most guys live pegged, so... He didn't. He didn't need too much help from me. Is he just living in a dorm at UCLA? I think so. That's what. That's yeah. what you guys do, right? Yeah, we just live in the live in the dorms. <laughs> well, you got one of the RA suites, right? You got the room advisor on the yeah, end of the hall. ensuite bathroom. That's yeah, you awesome. Gotta, you just got to do some chores to earn earn the uh, earn the suite. It's amazing. What's uh, what's on your agenda this week? You got uh, anything good going? You're hoping uh, you'll be going to SoFi in a little bit right if everything lines up with the rams w yeah we'll see i think there's an outside chance that you know i think the niners have to lose which seems um uh, doubtful but yeah we'll watch this rams game tonight a lot of 
a lot of cool storylines in, in that game as well. Obviously, we had the Tyreek Miami thing or Tyreek Kansas City thing last night, but Jared Goff and, and Stafford flip. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Yeah. How, yeah. No, no, how was um how was Will Ferrell and Mookie at, at the Kings game? Was that <laughs> hilarious? Yeah, they, they hung out more than I hung out with them. We kind of got out of there pretty quick. But, um, no, those Kings games are fun, man. It, I I remember going to a lot of little – we had a minor league hockey team back home when I was growing up. So, uh, my wife and I have gone to a couple games since we've been here and, and enjoyed it for sure. Is hockey your second favorite sport? Like, if you never became a pitcher, would there be another sport that you would try and go after? Or um, I played one year of lacrosse. I actually really liked it. And it was funny at the time. That was like very, you played baseball or lacrosse. They like hated each other. Um, but I played lacrosse, obviously golf, but you know, I don't think I quite have the frame to to play at basketball or, or anything like that. But no, I've, I've never been good on ice skates. So I, I don't think hockey was really in the cards. What you about don't... just watch? Oh, like in person, hockey is probably my favorite sport to go watch. Yeah. So much uh, it's it's wild like probably the biggest difference between the tv product and the, the live product i would think would be hockey you don't think you have like an ounce of ricky rubio in you like you don't think you can just get on the floor and like see it differently no i think that that has been proven years and years and years of my childhood that i do not have any ricky rubio in Damn. Um, that's a Midwest thing too. Baseball and lacrosse, they constantly butt heads anywhere. Cause yeah. it's like baseball has this high and mighty feeling of, oh, you weren't good at this. So you yeah. went to play this. And it's funny because it's largely the same like movements. Like right. they're both super rotational. Like the guys that score and lacrosse are the guys that can like spin their body the fastest. Like right. Um, but yeah, had had we played fall in the had we played lacrosse in the fall, I would have played probably through high school. I loved playing lacrosse. Cool. It was so funny. Uh, growing up here in Santa Barbara, lacrosse wasn't a thing. We didn't even get lacrosse to my senior year of high school. And all like the people who weren't playing any other sports would just play lacrosse. So I always thought yeah. lacrosse was lame. And then I went to Syracuse and lacrosse is the coolest thing there. Just flipped me on my head because I was yeah. like, this is such a lame sport. And then I go there. It's like, oh, wait, it's like cool i guess it's cool you buy it a lax it's really cool I yeah, it's a fun game. do you expect to talk lacrosse on the just baseball show walker <laughs> i didn't think we'd ever get there me neither i'm kind of glad that in all these months really you're like the uh you're like the meme of the kid with like the forehead vein popping like holding it <laughs> at the desk you know what i'm talking about yeah all That's right me. <laughs> love it walker you are the man uh we'll we'll talk to you soon yeah yeah see you fellas Big thank you to Walker Bueller. As always, exciting stuff coming down the pipe. You haven't heard the last of Walker Bueller. I will leave it at that. The Baltimore Orioles are the team with possibly the brightest future in all of baseball. They were incredible this past year. They won the American League East with a team whose window was not supposed to open this past year. The year before that, they were kind of the darling of Major League Baseball. And you called it. You said the Diamondbacks were going to be the next Baltimore Orioles. The Diamondbacks did exactly that. Now the Orioles look like a heavyweight and a true World Series contender if they make a couple of moves that the baseball world has been begging them to make. We're going to delay the inevitable. I think we've pitched this exact trade on the podcast like five or six times, but I'm going to make you wait for it. I'm going to run you through like the whole spiel. 
2023, the Baltimore Orioles payroll was $71 million. This year, they up it to right around $100 million. It's just under $100 million when you factor in arbitration and pre-arb estimates. Before we get into the transactions, I do want to note a couple of arbitration guys and the numbers that they just came in at. By the way, did you see the Tigers and Casey Mize are going to an arbitration hearing over like 25 grand? I'd love to be a fly in the room for that one. Oh, God. How about, the, so how, about the, how about the Marlins and Luis Arias also going to trial and Vladdy? And, and now they might trade him? I I can't believe what the Marlins are doing. They I, finally get the hitter, and it's been so long. And now they're like, wait a minute. Shit, I forgot. We got to oh, pay him. God, yeah, I forgot oh, you need God. to pay for talent. This sucks. <laughs> this sucks. Where's the free talent? This the sucks. just hit 350. We were sitting here with a 400 chase at the all-star break and you won't pay him. And you already I'm, traded Pablo Lopez. Pay him. Jesus. Dude, like the, this fucker, this fucker just wanted like nine mil. Just give him nine mil. It's not 30. It's nine. The Yankees Once, just paid Soto 31. The biggest deal in arbitration history, beating Shohei Otani's 30 million and you won't pay Luis Arias nine. Give me a break. I also just don't know how Soto can up Otani by a million dollars. You cannot convince me that Soto's value this year is greater than Otani's value last year. I don't know. No, of course. Yeah. No, I mean, market. holy market, shit. It's just the next cornerback or the next point guard. Or it's just yeah. the next best player just gets more. I guess my pushback was like, okay, the free agent market, I agree, but like the arbitration market, but I guess the arbitration market just keeps on pushing and pushing as, as we get further on. I think Juan Soto could have gotten anything he wanted at arbitration from the Yankees. Do you think they want to put a bad taste in his mouth? No, absolutely not. At all? Yes, yes, yes. So he just said, I need more than Otani. And they're like, fine, whatever. All right. Sure. And, and it's not going to be $30 million and $1. It's going to yeah. be $31 million. Uh, notable arbitration numbers for the Baltimore Orioles. Anthony Santander is a Super 2 guy. He is in his final fourth year of arbitration He's going to make about $11.7 million. In ARB 3, John Means got 3.325. Ryan O'Hearn, Danny Coulomb, also in ARB 3. ARB 2, Cedric Mullins just got about $6.25 million. We also have Jorge Mateo, Austin Hayes, Dylan Tate in ARB 2. Ryan Mountcastle came in at $4.1 million in his first year of arbitration. So, those numbers add up, like Ara mentioned with the Marlins, and, and the Orioles do feel those numbers adding up. But notable transactions, before going down, maybe while he was down, the Orioles signed Felix Bautista to, to a two-year, $2 million deal. He's going to miss the entirety of this year. He's out of mill this year. He's out of mill in, in ARB1. They claim your guy Tucker Davidson, our guy Tucker Davidson, and Sam Hilliard off waivers. They signed Craig Kimbrell to a one-year $13 million deal with a club option of $13 million in 2025. It's it's a lot. I love that it's a club option because Bautista is going to be back. He's pretty much the bridge man for Bautista at $13 mil. Overall, the offseason, we're waiting on the big trade to go down, but you know, if you can scrub that from your mind, how do you think it's gone so far? I mean, not very good. I mean, why did you go get Craig Kimbrell? Why'd you pay him $13 million? You have a closer. Yenier Cano. He can be your closer. And then go get someone like a Lou Trevino. Go get someone like a Robert Stevenson. There are plenty of relievers who aren't going to cost that. And ask a Phillies fan how much they enjoyed Craig Kimbrell. 
Now, the numbers are fine, right? But he he's going to make you scared to watch the ninth inning every single outing, which arguably makes them more entertaining for a fan on the outside looking in. But for a Baltimore Orioles fan, I would not be excited about that contract. And then that's the offseason. Like, we have to do a little bit more to this team. The offense, we're going to go through, we basically don't have to touch. And they're not going to touch it either because they have an entire other offense in the minor leagues, which they could realistically bring up. But we got to make about two trades for starters, add a reliever, and we're done. But this team, overall, I was a little bit negative on the offseason so far. It's not over, number one. Number yeah. two, this team is loaded. They didn't so, need to do anything. But I just, I really disliked the Craig Kimbrell signing. Did you like it? What are they doing with that? Um, I, and a team like the Orioles, who never spends money, wants to give Craig Kimbrell $13 million? What? I think they wanted a closer, and they didn't want to pay haters. So I think what they did is they went out and they got they have maybe. One. Do they? Or do they have one of the better setup guys in baseball? Yes, they do. But then they could get two legitimate seventh and eighth inning guys have Cano instead of because the Orioles don't have that much money to spend. I feel I like that was their bullpen. Spot. But I'm I'm asking you. So I said, do they have a closer for 2024? And you said, yes, in yeah. your Cano. I don't know if that guy's like a full-time closer, one of the better closers in baseball. I think they wanted a guy who can handle the ninth inning. I think Cano can be one of the better eighth inning guys in baseball. He was that last year. But you got to remember, dude, like this guy had like got blown up in his first taste of major league ball. He was fine in AAA the year before that. Like this is kind of a flash in the pan thing. I hope it continues. I expect it to continue because it does feel like he's figured something out. 2022, he was really good in AAA. 2023, he was amazing in the major leagues. But that was his rookie year, man. Like who's to say? And you know how volatile this is. I can't pencil Yenier Cano in for a 30-save season in a low 2 ZRA. Just can't do it. Can you pencil in Kimbrell for that? No, but you can pencil him in for a veteran presence on the back end of a bullpen. Who do you think would be the better closer in 2024, Yenier Cano or Craig Kimbrell? Cano, but it's kind of nice to hedge but it with another saying. guy. No, but I'm saying you get you get you put Cano in the closer role. And then you get two other legitimate setup options who can then close if, if need for be. some reason, he falters. So like, like Robert the Marlins thing? can close games. Yeah, like a Marlins thing, which ended up working because Tanner Scott just took the world by storm. They, I think they should have done that. But again, it's marginal, right? I want to get to the real team. Yeah. I, for a team that doesn't spend that much money, I, I, did not get it at all. But we'll see. The, the other thing is they want to win the World Series in 2024. And they went and got a guy that was on a Hall of Fame track at, at one point. Yeah, they want to. Every team wants to. But are they going to action speak louder than words? Yeah, but I mean, dude, they won the hardest division in baseball this past year without like that guy that we're going to go trade And then for. they got blown up by the Rangers. Like if they want to win a World Series, the time is now to go spend some money or at least make some trades. I Which mean, we're not, do. not making trades makes no sense. Yeah. No sense. Um, They may be scared, but we'll see. Walking through the offense, Adley Rutschman, James McCann is the catching tandem, not touching it. Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan. You don't want to float Adley in trade talks? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. If you floated Adley, I would... Book a flight. I would 
knock on your door and I'd sucker punch you. Imagine say, that return. one's for Adley and Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> Imagine the return you get for him, though. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. First base platoon. Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan O'Hearn. Okay. I like it. Not touching it. Ryan Mountcastle hits 340 with an OPS at about 1050 against left-handed pitching. If you can create like a true platoon, and O'Hearn is an 800 OPS guy against right-handed pitching. If O'Hearn doesn't really work out, you've got Heston Kerstad there, who played a good bit yep. of first base. He's a lefty bat. It's either Kerstad and Mountcastle or O'Hearn and Mountcastle. Amazing. Can't, can't Kobe Mayo contribute to first two? <laughs> yes. Um, Mayo can. Mayo can also contribute to third base. Yeah. Like, We'll see. There's so many. Like they that's why so we many can't go get Reese Hoskins if we don't love Ryan O'Hearn, which I don't have a problem with him. We we can't touch it. They have too many options also in the minor leagues. Let's also make this abundantly clear. There are three do not contact me about these guys in the Orioles system. Jackson Holiday, yep, Samuel Basayo, the catching prospect, and Kobe Mayo, who's a corner infielder. You wouldn't potentially trade that catching prospect when you literally have Adley Rutschman? No. No, no, because Adley's Adley's going to cost two hundred million dollars. Do you think the Orioles are going to pay Adley Rushman two hundred million dollars? They better do it for once. He's generational. They did it it with Chris Davis. That's the thing. Their one big deal was fucking Chris Davis. Do you know how scarred I would be if my one deal that I'm like, all right, you know what? Let's bust out the paycheck, Mister Angelos, Chris Davis. Charmin Ultrasoft, you got to put money back in the market. I'm with you, but <laughs> I just want to present the uh, the opposing viewpoint. But Basayo, even if you do sign Adley long-term, Basayo is probably the first baseman of the future, and then Kerstad becomes expendable. Second base, some assortment of Jordan Westberg, Jorge Mateo, Connor Norby, Jackson Holiday. good with it. Third base, some assortment of Gutter Henderson, Jorge Mateo, Ramon Arias, Kobe Mayo, good with it. Shortstop, Gunnar Henderson, Jackson Holiday. It's Holy inc- hell. It's an incredibly good and young lineup. It is just, it is just overwhelming. As of right now, you can factor Joey Ortiz in too, but I'm about to trade his ass right quick oh, in yeah, a moment. He's gone. He's gone. Outfield, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander in his final year of control. Heston Kerstad, Colton Kowser. Ryan McKenna, Sam Hilliard, Kyle Stowers. It's overwhelming the number of bats they have. Two, maybe three years ago, Cedric Mullins was one of the best players in Major League Baseball. And now he's just, he might be the odd man out in this outfield because Austin Hayes and Anthony Santander are both beasts. Hayes is and a he, sneaky dog. I need people Hayes to understand that. Absolutely. And then you have Kowser, you got Kerstad, you got just so many players in the pipe. That's why it could be the easiest thing in the world to trade all of these guys in order to get pitching. And they're probably going to sit on their hands and do nothing. And it's going to make me unreasonably upset because it's right there. It's right there. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Starting rotation as of right now, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, John Means, Dean Kramer, Cole Irvin, Tyler Wells, and then you've got Cade Povich, Chase McDermott, Seth Johnson kind of waiting in the wings. I want to cut Cole Irvin from this discussion, and we do that by adding a frontline guy. I would love to push Bradish back to the two, Grayson back to the three, Means to the four, and Dean Kramer to the five with Tyler Wells as your six. Because we're going to add Dylan Cease to the fold, who just signed 
$8 million to avoid arbitration. He'll get about 12 or 13, two years for $21 million. Colton Kowser and Joey wants, Ortiz. Nobody wants Dylan Cease. Apparently. Are you sure? Apparently <laughs> MLB Network and like all the reports are like, hey, the Orioles really want Dylan Cease. Go do it. It's going to no. cost you Kowser and Ortiz. Think about Just it. Think it. about it. Do you actually think that Dylan Cease of the Orioles is going to happen? Think about it. The White Sox, they asked the Yankees for Spencer Jones and Chase Hampton. Now that's um, two top 100 prospects. The Orioles could do it, but I guess the asking price for Dylan Cease, according to teams, is too high. A team like the Orioles, who barely want to make a trade anyway, do you think they're meeting the asking price of a team that is asking for an arm and a leg for a guy? Like, no shot. I mean, dude, like, you have the capital to not feel it. Not feel it at all. How does Kowser, do it. How does Kowser and Joey Ortiz impact the Baltimore Orioles in 2024? No idea. Just go give them to the Chicago for Dylan Cease. Or we can go get Burns. You want to go do that? We could also go get Lizardo. Could go get Lizardo. Because I'm I'm curious if the Orioles want maybe some younger options here. I know Cease is still relatively young. Maybe they go after Logan Gilbert. Um, I know the Mariners could still use some bats. And I've been watching these Bryce Miller bullpens, his new splitter. Nasty. And then you got Brian <laughs> Wu, you got Luis Castillo. Like Logan Gilbert could be expendable because he is a free agent soon. If I'm the Orioles, I would, among all of these pitchers, Burns would be my best option. But he's a free agent after the year and he's still going to be expensive. I would go, I would want Lazardo from the Marlins. Let's do it. He's apparently available. I would love Lazardo. Lazardo seems best case scenario. I want Lazardo more than I want Cease. So. And they could also use a lefty too, right? You got Bradish, you got Grayson. And if we're kicking Cole Irvin out, we only really have John Means. And John Means hasn't proven that he's able to stay healthy. So I would love to add a lefty in here. I think Lazardo is the perfect option. Years of control, still young, not a ton of miles on the arm, electric, nasty pitcher. I would want him. Yeah. Also, real quick. Bryce and Miller. Think, and think about why also I want more lefties in the Orioles. Because when you face the Orioles in Canman Yards and Lazardo is on the mound, you're going to put in a lot of right-handed bats to counteract Lazardo, right? Good luck hitting a home run in that in that ballpark when you're a righty. Yeah. It's just so hard because left field is so far away. So that's why I want to add more lefties in this pen. And he is the perfect option. Also, real quick on that Bryce Miller thing, because that like struck a chord somehow. Um Miller, we've seen what? We've seen three splitters in a bullpen video with no data, and we saw in. one indoors. Okay, you're in on four <laughs> pitches that we've seen. I'm I in. cannot wait <laughs> to get Savant on that splitter and just see big league hitters face it because we don't know if it's good. So everybody on X on Twitter right now that is saying, oh, this new splitter is nasty, we don't know that. I don't know. I think I might know. I don't think you know that. Respectfully, I, just, I don't you think just, you know. Did you hear that sentence? I don't know. I think I know. No. <laughs> what did no, you say no on the idea. last one? But it's the offseason. I'm getting excited. You said something on the last episode that, that yeah. sounded like, oh, first step of admitting is admitting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Agree? I didn't Agree. realize I said that. It's one of the dumbest sentences that's <laughs> ever been said. The first part to admitting is admitting. Bing, bingo. I mean, that's that seems like an office quote that Michael Scott would say. 
Nailed it. Um, Nailed it. How much more would Lizardo cost than Kowser and Joey Ortiz? Probably one more prospect, but not anyone crazy, right? Like maybe a maybe a Mac Horvath, right? He was just drafted. Yeah. Could send him over there. I mean, how many infielders do they need, right? I mean, do you need a third baseman when you have Gunner and Jackson Holiday on the left side of the infield for the next 30 years? And Kobe Mayo and Connor Norby. And I mean, there's just so many guys. There's so many of them. So, yeah, I I, I think if you throw in Matt Corvath, he's still far off, too. I would do that if I'm the Orioles. How about Vavra? Sure. They wouldn't feel this. No, at all. I want to be clear. Can we just... Just for exercise sake, let's say we just traded that package to the Marlins. Let's go over it again. You got it. Uh, Lizardo goes to Baltimore for Kowser, Ortiz, and I like Matt Horvath a little bit more. Let me give you another name in a moment, but walk through the assortment right now. Do you think the uh, Marlins, I I know I'm backtracking here. Do you think the Marlins would want a uh, pitcher? As the third piece in that deal, they're getting two offensive pieces. They could. So go get like an Alex Pham. Maybe a Seth Johnson. No, Johnson's too good. Johnson's too good. Too good. Um, Those wouldn't I'll... do it. I think I'll... an Alex Pham or a Justin Armbruster. I like Armbruster. Yeah, let's do that one. Let's do him instead. So the, the uh, Marlins get back one pitcher at least. Okay. Walk for the exercise, yeah, for the exercise sake, let's also go get Dylan Cease to show how we can't, amazing we can't, this but... farm system is. No, we still could do it. Let's do it, right? Uh... If now, now we go get Dylan Cease again. This is not part of the GM episode. This is to illustrate how amazing the Orioles farm system is. Now, okay, for Dylan Cease, Heston Kerstad, yeah, Connor Norby, Connor Norby. Chase McDermott. Bang. I, do they feel that either? I think you feel both of them. Yeah, you'd feel it, right? But you're also getting Jesus Cesardo and Dylan Cease. Are you going to feel that? Of course. Yeah. And then your rotation, in whatever order you want, Lizardo, Cease, Bradish, Grayson. I mean, are we serious right now? And then you got John Means and Dean Kramer doing whatever the hell you want. That team can win the World Series. That team can win the World Series. They can even win the World Series just by adding Lazardo. But you add those two pitchers with that offense and, and this bullpen. And remember, you're not really spending any money acquiring these guys, right? Cease's contract is a little bit expensive, sort of, right? You'd be paying him less per year than you would be Jordan Hicks. The Giants are. And then Lazardo, what is he making right now? Nine, ten? Uh, no, he's making five and a half, and he's got three years of control left. All right, yeah, it it does have to be Seth Johnson, Kowser, Ortiz, Seth Johnson. Yeah, for Jesus Lazardo. So we we will only trade for one because we're not crazy, but they could trade for two and be perfectly fine. And it is funny too. Have you been reading some of what Orioles fans are saying? I think the uh, owner of the Orioles is getting a pass from these fans because the fans don't want to give up any of these prospects either. 
No, I got a text. I was talking with my buddy, Brendan Morton, who does great stuff for Masson. And I said, um, yeah, here we go. He said, hey, I don't think the fan base wants another Daryl Ernias to happen, who was the swap for Cole Irvin. And Ernias can probably be the starting shortstop in Oakland this year. Like, I just don't think they want to get burnt. Who cares? Pirates fans. Pirates fans are very hesitant to move prospects because they're worried that they're going to get Chris Archer 2.0. Like it takes just one trade to scare the shit out of a fan base. You're getting Dylan Cease and Jesus Lizardo. <laughs> You're getting one of Dylan Cease or like Jesus Lizardo. Like you hope these prospects can turn into players like that, especially Lizardo. Especially Lizardo. That's why I'd prefer to trade for Lizardo over Cease. Not as expensive. It's going to cost more. Good. Good, because you can easily do it. Paying him five mil a year for the next three years? Well, it would escalate. It'd probably no, go five course, yeah. to nine to 15. But it's not expensive at all. No. Here's a control young pitcher, lefty, perfect fit. We trade those three. We don't feel it, and we could go win a World Series. Okay. Might need to add like another small piece, but three main pieces going back are Kowser, Ortiz, Seth Johnson for Jesus yeah. Lizardo. And that's a haul. Marlins fans. That's awesome. That's a haul. Just I think a lot of Marlins, Marlins fans would say yes. You Just because, you know, Orioles, you know, don't really feel it because they have such a great farm system. That's an incredible package. It's an incredible package. No, and I mean, for a team that's going to run out either Xavier Edwards or Vidal Brujan at shortstop, I think they would be perfectly fine with saying yes to, to Joey Ortiz manning shortstop. Yeah, Ortiz would immediately be their starting shortstop. Kowser would immediately be in their outfield. And then Seth Johnson is gonna could make an impact for you this year, correct? Probably. Yeah, he's twenty five years old. He better, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. So there you go. And now our rotation is: Jesus Cesardo, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, John Means, Dean Kramer. Bang. And Wells is a six man. I fucking like Wells. Do the Orioles like Wells? Weirdly, why'd they move him to the bullpen? Uh, he was hitting an innings limit. Yeah, they so, shut him down yeah. for a little bit. The reason I think that they might not end up making a trade for any of these guys is they're going to look at their rotation and say, well, we have Bradish and Grayson. We have John Means. We have Dean Kramer. And we have Tyler Wells. What's wrong with that rotation? Orioles fans, we get to keep all of our prospects. And then Orioles fans are like, you're right. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's not, let's be so safe, guys. Let's just crawl up in a blanket and not trade any of our prospects. Come on. Go for it. Man, that's a huge haul. I feel like the Orioles would be quicker to move for Cease. And it'd just be the duo of Kowser and Ortiz for Cease. I think you want them to trade Kowser and uh, Ortiz for Cease. You white no, fan. man, I've taken <laughs> I've taken all of that fandom out. Um, one more trade to pitch you has to do with the bullpen. And I don't think you need to spend on another reliever. As of right now, it's Kimbrell, it's Cano, Danny Coulomb, D.L. Hall, who's like gross, gross. Yeah. Uh, CNL Perez was good last year. Jacob nasty. Webb, Dylan Tate, Keegan Aiken, Brian Baker, Nick Vespi. There are a ton of guys. Might I pitch you a reunion with Hunter Harvey? Sure. Hunter Harvey so was unsexy. nasty. He sat 98 last year. Former Orioles first round pick. Had an ERA, I think, in the very low threes with Washington. And Washington needs warm bodies, particularly left-handed hitting outfielders. Kyle Stowers is not getting any run for the Baltimore Orioles. But in the last 163 games with Norfolk, Kyle Stowers, that's the last two years, 163 games. 
Kyle Stowers is hitting 256 with 36 homers and 127 driven in. I'm a casual. I didn't realize that Hunter Harvey had that great of a year last year. Yeah, and Hunter Harvey was nasty. I didn't I I thought he I knew he was good. I've seen him before. I didn't think he was 282 ERA in 60 innings, striking out 10 per 9 with like a 3-3-3 expected ERA. I didn't know he was that good. Yeah, he sat 98 with his heater, nasty splitter. Like nobody hit more than 210 against any of his pitches, I don't think, in that ballpark. If the Orioles didn't get Craig Kimbrell, we could have also made a trade for Devin Williams. We could have, um, but I kind of like just going to get Harvey on that reunion, and Harvey's going to be a lights-out setup guy for them too. So I, I think it can be Stowers and either Justin Armbruster or Alex Pham for Harvey. It's too much. It's, too it's much. not too much. He's a reliever. Relievers. Kyle Stowers and? Where's Stowers' value? I understand with the Orioles, but still. Like, they're not going to do that. That's too much. He's a reliever. He's been branded a quad A guy. I can't that I can't do. I He's had I, really? Stowers I know doesn't have a ton of I don't think I can do that. I think it would have to be less. I don't think that this guy's value is like that crazy. I think like, you I might think, be overestimating Armbruster and Fam's value to the Orioles too. Yeah, maybe Armbruster and then another guy. I I I can't trade Stowers in a deal like this. I would He's rather a, He's a sitting duck, man. Then I would rather go get Devin Williams if I'm going to give up Stowers. He's a good no, player. No, 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 no. What do you mean no? No. It, do you have Stowers' major league numbers in front of you? I can pull him up. No, yeah. I, I know he hasn't made much of an impact yet. No, like he's been really bad in his major league tenure. 48 yeah, I mean, big league games. He's got a 598 OPS. He had a negative 36 WRC plus last year. Yeah, game. like he he's he's had multiple chances, but 34 games before that, and like he wasn't great. Like he has not been good in either of his big league auditions his value is low and now is the time to trade him i mean we can if if you're if you feel that good about it like i'm fine with it i'm just, always good with the orioles making trades he's and just, getting better yeah i just think if i'm the orioles like that feels too much to me i don't think so because like what happens best case scenario with kyle stowers this year he spends another year in norfolk yeah has i mean 20 homers they have to trade him. It's just, is Hunter Harvey the right deal? I think so. Hunter Harvey is solid, and Stowers would in turn know that he's getting big league chances with Washington, who needs left-handed outfield bats like they need air to breathe. Yeah. I think their I'm... outfield right now is Lane Thomas, Stone Garrett, Victor Robles. You're telling me that, like, he can't factor in? You ha also have to realize that if you are – you know, big on this trade, I'm down. Like, I don't need that <laughs> much convincing because I want the Orioles to make moves and Stowers isn't going to play on the Orioles in 2024. Not because he isn't good enough. I think it's because they have no spot for him. Right. So I don't mind making the trade, but I can already see the comments is what I'm saying. I can already see them roasting us being like we're not giving up Kyle Stowers for a freaking reliever from the Nationals no I think you're I think you're gonna Maybe get I'm roasted wrong. yeah you're I think you're gonna get roasted for thinking that Kyle Stowers has a shit ton of value well how about this we'll see the comments the comments <laughs> will speak for themselves Orioles fans do you agree with Jack do you agree with me and whoever you don't agree with destroy them destroy one of us all right we're gonna make the trade send it in we're making the Lazardo deal too 
So yep. that was Lazardo for Kowser, Ortiz, and Seth Johnson. So now the Orioles team looks like Adley Rutschman and James McCann as the catchers. Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan O'Hearn, Heston Kerstad as the first baseman, Kobe Mayo too. Second base can be Westberg, Jorge Mateo, Connor Norby. Third base, Ramon Arias, Mateo, Gunner. Shortstop, Gunner, Jackson Holiday. Outfield, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, Santander, Kerstad, Ryan McKenna, Sam Hilliard. The starting rotation, Lizardo, Bradish, G-Rod, Means, Kramer, Tyler Wells is the six. And then the bullpen, Kimbrell, Cano, Hunter Harvey, Danny Coulomb, D.L. Hall, CNL Perez, Jacob Webb, Dylan Tate, Keegan Aiken, Brian Baker, Nick Vespi. That team that, is so fucking good. That team can win the World Series. That team is so good. Like, I was thinking, you know, my Yankees are getting up there. We might end up winning this division. Then I went on roster resource and looked at this Orioles roster, and I'm like, shit. No, we yep, ain't. Yep. This, and then adding Lazardo and Hunter Harvey, yeah, this makes the Orioles arguably the best team in the American League. They can go deal for a frontline starting pitcher and not have it impact their 2024 season whatsoever offensively. The key word there is whatsoever. Just go do it. Do it. And go get yourself some Just Baseball merch in the episode description. I mean, come on. And if you don't want to spend any money, I get it. If you could just rate and review Spotify and Apple Podcasts, five stars, please. Leave a written review if you would be so kind. Genuinely, it really does help out the show. So if you have been enjoying all these episodes in the offseason, please feel free, rate and review Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your pods. And if you are watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. And don't forget to destroy one of us if you disagree. With I'm anti-trading stars for Hunter RV, Jack is pro. Tell us what you think in the comments. And maybe you hate the Lazardo trade. I don't know. Let us know in the comments. We're trying to get better. And we love you guys. Have a great start to the week. I was going to say have a great weekend. But it's a great start to the week. And we'll be back on Wednesday. Hopefully everybody enjoyed the Walker Bueller episode. And with that, thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.